Welcome to the Marketing Intern Spotlight. A marketing intern is a listener who's spreading our message authentically. Hear their story, their passion, and their journey. Enjoy. Go get cozy. Dude. You're like really in the cockpit here, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we probably should have switched the cushions. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's cool. All right, dude. Well, uh, bam. Jordan Roberts, welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, boys. How are you? Phenomenal. We are stoked to have you on. We've built, I think we've built our two and a half years for this very moment. Can you confirm, Deck? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had the requirements of getting Jordan Roberts on this podcast were first to build a, f- a strong foundation. And we did that marketing intern, listener by listener, um, podcast by podcast, guest by guest. But, you know, you, you had to build it the right way, right? That These guests couldn't just be anybody. They had to be St. Thomas football players. They had to be coaches. They had to be Glenn Caruso. Mm. They had to be Chad Greenway. Chad Greenway. They had to be Greenway. Coach Wally Kaczynski. <laughs> and now we're sitting here with the impetus of we've now reached our mic or we're, 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 or our mark. We're at the uh, we're at the peak. Jordan Roberts. I appreciate it, boys. I've been wanting to get on for a long time. It's it's it's, uh, it's good to be finally on, man. Absolutely. Let's do it. I say we, we get right into it, man. Um, our, we know you very well uh, through playing ball with you. Um, but our marketing interns, many of our listeners do not know you. So if you could give a brief background of who you are, that would be awesome. Who I am. Awesome. Um, so I grew up in uh, the great state of Wyoming, Sheridan, Wyoming. Uh, rooted and grounded out there. Um, started playing uh, football very, very early on in life. Um, and it became a big part of you know my life growing up. Um, had a really good, successful um, high school career. Ended up getting a scholarship in my senior year to play at uh, South Dakota. It's a small Division One school in the Missouri Valley. Uh, started out there, um, played two and a half years there. Um, and then I transferred to St. Thomas, where I met all my best friends here. Um, and then played another two years there. Um, spent this last year in Seattle, um, scouting with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, wow. Just been kind of all over, man. Um, you know, football has been a big part of it. Uh, I got, you know, I'm very close to my family, very close to my friends. Um, got two older sisters and uh, parents who, who love me. I'm very close with them still. And, um, yeah, man, uh, just kind of a crazy road up to this point. Um, but here we are. Yeah, those are these. Those are the uh, – that's the Wikipedia version. No doubt. No mm-hmm. doubt. For sure. Yeah. I think it's going to be – You know, well, what's really cool, I think <laughs> – was that we had so many opportunities to get you on the podcast. Yeah. Like I just remember recording back at the uh the original Washington Den yeah. 1.0 and we would be like in the studio recording a podcast and it'd be like Jordan and Mark and Maddie C and they'd be all be playing NHL and just <laughs> yeah. be, like screaming <laughs> yeah. and we'd be like come on dude like yeah. you could hear it in the mics it's so funny. Or, or the during the NFL thing. draft too, when we were all screaming. The draft there. was the greatest, was because what? Who'd you guys draft? Who the Bears draft that year? We got Roquan Smith and Roquan Greg were just losing it, losing <laughs> it. And then I pop out there just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Can you keep it down? Like, oh Come man, on, that's crazy, yeah. dude. Wait, so um, I want to know, kind of, so you were doing my research as your friend you were Gatorade player of the year in Sheridan Wyoming I was yeah my senior year so I actually transferred high schools halfway through my junior year my dad got a job um, engineering in Sheridan which is a much smaller town than I grew up in Gillette Wyoming it was like 65,000 um, and, and Sheridan Wyoming is you know 25 30,000 so it was a big drop down 
um, in terms of like the size of my school and everything. Um, but I decided to go with my dad and that year I had like a really big year, um, my senior season. And, um, it was, Sharon's a really unique place. Cause like we, um, we have the smallest school in 4A, 4A is the highest division mm-hmm. in high school football in Wyoming. We have the smallest amount of kids in our school, but we go to the net or the state championship like every other year. So we, we have the most state championships in the state of Wyoming. Um, and the year that I was there, we won our 23rd state championship. And Michael that, Jordan. Yeah, that's sure. my number, baby. So yeah. Oh, you're number two. Oh, of course. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's it was sweet, weird. dude. So you then, how many, what were kind of your scholarship offers or any opportunities, I should say, coming mm-hmm. out of high school? Uh, so South Dakota was a, a Division one offer, and then Northern Colorado offered me as well. Um, I kind of thought I was going to go to University of Wyoming my whole upbringing really um and that fell out like last minute and that was super disappointing because my whole family was getting wyoming gear and stuff so really oh yeah yeah that's where i thought i was going to end up but um last minute they decided not to pull the trigger so went with south dakota and both of my sisters went to south dakota too they both uh swam there so they were swimming and diving um so we all three ended up going to usd so that's nuts so um Dude, isn't the recruiting process just the worst thing ever? Oh, it's bananas, man. It's like, especially in Wyoming, because you don't get as much exposure out there. It's not California or Florida. You know? It's not it's a hot like, spot. Yeah, it's not at all. So, you know, I rushed for almost 3,000 yards, and I still wasn't getting looks. Gatorade else. player of the year in Wyoming, mm-hmm. and you didn't get a offer. Not a big-time offer. You got some. From, well, from yeah. Wyoming, though, is what I'm saying. No. Like, no even no. that. Yeah, they had, a, like, a really strict like in-state policy they just didn't want they, they don't sign. hire the best talent i guess yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> a strict rule if you're wyoming i don't yeah. know we go for low caliber players i don't make i don't <laughs> i don't make the rules around here. Yeah. okay yeah. outside of that one quarterback what's his name jared um, allen josh allen josh, josh allen, allen. Yeah. not jared not sorry that's a vikings d lineman jared jared <laughs> allen. Dude, oh my god yeah. We, and we don't know a lot about Vikings players at all still. Yeah, we butchered that Chad Greenway podcast uh, from time to time. For the most part, we... I think we crushed the Chad. Okay. But it's not that podcast, I guess. This is, this is our podcast with Jordan. You're right. So, <laughs> but similarities, he went to... Uh, he played nine-man football in South Dakota yep. and did not receive a Division One offer until mm-hmm. very late, uh, and he got one from Iowa. And yeah. that was the only one he got. And so it's that same kind of mentality from small rural areas in that uh, that northwestern part yep. of the United States that doesn't get a lot of attention, even though those yep. boys play with heart. Play with heart, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're tough. <laughs> and uh, dude, Greenway is like he's the man in South Dakota. Like, like everyone knows who Chad Greenway is. So he's the man out there. <laughs> yeah. What's it like coming from a like? Because Chad, same sim- similar situation. But like, what is it like coming from a small? town or collection of people i mean you you said bigger city of gillette wyoming that's sixty five thousand, which isn't even like a tenth of where we're living now yeah yeah. so what is that like it was a big shock especially my first time coming to a big city um i guess the i guess you could classify this as the first city i came to um after my upbringing and it was kind of a shock just how different people are like in a, in a town of Sheridan Wyoming it's like everybody knows everybody yeah and like everyone's close to everyone and you know like who your neighbor is and if you're new in town people are taking you out and getting to know you and um I love Minnesota 
I think there's some really great people here. It was just like a culture shock, uh, definitely. And like I've been to a bunch of cities since I've been to college, like Houston, Seattle, all these other places, Chicago, and it's just it's different, man. Like especially in, especially in the Northwest, it's different out there, man. Like people are very kind of I don't want to say closed off, but they're just they do their own thing. Like if you're new in town, like you're not really going to get to know new people. It's a great point. Yeah. In so, the, like in the Pacific Northwest specifically. Yeah. I would say, especially in Seattle, like, you know, I worked there for a year and there's guys from all over the, the country who worked with the Hawks and like, they've been there for two, three years and they don't really, they still don't know that many people in Seattle. It's just like how it goes. They're on so, business type thing. Yeah. Like you hang out with the people you work with and that's kind of the culture up there. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's Dang. just interesting. So take me back to playing at South Dakota. Um, <clears throat> I'm really curious on the aspect of playing at a, a lower Division One school. Um, what was the mentality of the, the team? Did did people were people ready to transfer? Were they playing to look for transfer offers, or were they dedicated to the to that? Because I, I hear a lot of when you're playing that conference, you're looking to get, uh, have a good season and then go to um, a, a bigger school. Yeah, that kind of depends. Um you definitely had those type of guys that usually didn't make it. Um, but the guys that were at South Dakota in my situation, everyone was pretty bought in to be there. Um, but you did have like your, your guys who like transferred in from like a bigger school. Um, so like Illinois state is an example. They're in the Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. They get transferred from big schools like all the time from like Auburn, Alabama, people that like don't make it there. They go back down a division th- so they don't have to sit out a year. Right. Okay. And then they do well, and maybe they'll transfer again after that. Um, but at South Dakota, it was, you know, everyone is pretty dead set on staying there from my experience. Um, but you did have a couple guys that thought they were, like, a lot better than that. Um, so they wanted to kind of go somewhere else, but um, they usually didn't end up making it. So Okay. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. And I'm also then really curious on your your take from it. So you got to play, correct me, you, you redshirted freshman year. I did, yeah. And then you played a full season. And then you started looking at other options. Well, uh, not really, man. Um, so my, I, I redshirted. Sorry. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I not really, you Andrew. Yo, I, <laughs> your best friend, and you can't figure it out. Hey, just kidding. Sometimes you forget. I don't right, want to correct going. you. Though. No, 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 no. That was that was, just, that was great. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Uh, so, um, <laughs> not really, man. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, no, no. That was fun. Uh, so redshirt year, um, you know, was was great. And then I pretty much started with another kid my freshman year, my redshirt freshman year. We we split time the whole year. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really cool in the mic. <laughs> um, and then the second year, so my redshirt sophomore year, I played that whole season. But that was the year I started looking into going into seminary. But I wasn't necessarily unhappy at South Dakota. I was, like, doing really good. I played as a freshman, um, had a lot of stuff going for me there. Played against Oregon, right? Played against Oregon. So Played sick. against Mariota. Um, that year they went to the Natty, actually, so that was a really fun year. Was Bacivius Mingo on that team? Bacivius Mingo. Mingo played for LSU, buddy. And oh. he also plays for the Hawks now. Oh, man. So, yeah, he's cool. Again, just botching my football knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that year I wasn't really looking to go, um, just to transfer anywhere. Um, so the seminary was a very unique situation where I looked into it and it was something that if it worked out, I was going to go, but if it didn't, I was just going to stay at South Dakota. 
And I even told my coach that I was looking into this when, during the process. Um, so he was fully aware of everything. <clears throat> and um, this, the, the decision to join the seminary was um, there was a lot more involved than just football, obviously. Um, but it was just really cool the way it all worked out because I was able to get um, the okay to be able to play football when I was still in seminary, which was really unique. And it's like probably the only school in the world that you could do that. Um, so, at St. Thomas. Is yeah, what you're saying. at yeah. St. Thomas and St. John Vianney Seminary is the seminary I was looking into. Um, and it was just a unique situation because they have a really good football program and the seminary is a part of the school. Um, so for me, it was like, wow, I could do both. I could really focus on my faith and my, my walk with God, but I can also finish my eligibility. Um, so that was really attractive to me. And I asked my vocations director if, if I could do that. And he was like, heck yeah. So, um, after that, it was like an easy decision. Um, so I applied and when I got in, I was able to actually transfer halfway through the year. So I transferred in January. Um, so I could play like spring ball and stuff. Um, with St. Thomas uh, during 2015. So, yeah, I remember the first workout that we had where Caruso was introducing like the new people, and you came in with Tommy Becker. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh no way, two new coaches just showed up. <laughs> yeah. This is great. Like we got this guy and this guy. They're like, oh, actually, that other guy, he's from South Dakota. He's uh, gonna be your running back, and <laughs> he is in the seminary. I was like. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Whoa! And that's kind of where I really want to like. like that is just a, such a unique mm-hmm. part of your life, man. I'd love to know no and kind of dive in on like what got you into seminary. Yeah, man, uh, a lot of stuff. But um, so when I went to South Dakota, I didn't grow up Catholic, and my family um, we weren't necessarily affiliated with any type of church or anything growing up, and we didn't even really go to church that often yeah were you like religious at all or were you I, just... I was like personally so okay. I, I called it you know kind of an interpersonal christian faith right whatever you want to call that um but i always had a relationship with god like i always felt close to him growing up especially in my senior year in high school um, i started praying a lot more than i ever had before but when i went to south dakota there was a bible study on my team that a bunch of people were going to but i heard it was like a catholic bible study so i was like i'm not going uh, so i didn't go to it and then halfway through my freshman year is when um some kind of unfortunate things happened not kind of very unfortunate things happened um and the biggest thing was my my best friend named nicholas Bazemore. he passed away halfway through my freshman year Oh, and it was just I mean this is like my best friend I mean he was like a brother to my family um, and we spent all of our time growing up together ever since kindergarten pretty much and so when he passed away it was like it like totally changed everything about oh. me yeah and right before that me and my girlfriend of six or seven years I think it was seven years we broke up right before that so this happened within like 24 hours you're kidding no i'm not kidding so oh so it was like we had a really nasty breakup and then when nick passed it was like i I gotta do something because i was just a mess after that obviously um so after that i decided to like give this bible study a try you know so i started going to this bible study and it was it's through this organization organization called focus 
and it's um, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. So it's a Catholic-based Bible study for college students, pretty much. And they're getting really, really big across the country right now. Uh, but we were one of like the first schools that it was at. And it was like a football-based Bible study. And um, the first night I went, it was just like, I totally fell in love with it. Like, I was, this is amazing. I can't believe, like, um, I was so, like, negative towards this before. And I just kind of opened myself up. And then afterwards, I talked to the guys who were leading the Bible study. Um, shout out to Jeremy Cassidy and Shane Van Deese. But they um, they really kind of taught me about uh, Catholicism for the first time. And I was really negative towards Catholicism, but then I like really opened myself up to it and I was interested. Um, that's the best way I can say it. And I want to so- ask though, like, <clears throat> so, you know, th- like the, the barrier to entry, I guess, when you're looking at like going to a Bible study, that is like inherent that a lot yeah. of people feel that, but no doubt. when you get there and you're in that situation that you are, which is just like for more or less like a rock bottom type it, situation, it was, totally. right? Like, what were the things or why was it so impactful when you showed up for that Bible study for the first time? Um, I think it was the first time that I was ever, I ever shared with other people where I was at. It was the first time I was like vulnerable for the first yeah. time. And I, I shared with them what was going on in my life and they, they didn't judge me. Um, they didn't try to tell me what to do. They were just like there for me. Yeah. Um, and that was huge for me. And like we dove I'd been to other Bible studies before and it wasn't, it felt very artificial to me, like surface level. And this Bible study really dove in deep to the scriptures. And that was something that I was really longing for. And so that first study, I was like, this is what I got to keep doing. So that was kind of like what kept me grounded during that really tough time. And I still played football, and I was still doing really good, and that kind of, like, kept my mind off things and stuff. Um, But the Bible study and those friends that I um, had during that time were just huge for me. So That is sick. Yeah. So fast forward um, a year after that, I just kept growing and kept growing in my faith, and I ended up going to a seat conference. And I, I'm sure you've never heard of a seat conference, but it's basically these huge conferences that go on in January every year where about 15,000 college students go to this conference. And this one was in Orlando. And they have all these famous speakers from around the world that, you know, spiritual speakers. Mm-hmm. And they come and they share their testimonies and they talk to us about certain aspects of faith. And I went there and just, like, got my world rocked, dude. I just, like, yeah. I, like, learned stuff that I didn't even know were possible. So. Uh, I got to bi- ask you about that, though. Like, what is <clears throat> what is it about, like, testimonies? Because, like, they are super impactful, I'll be honest. They like, are. Like, it's very cool. I mean, just boiling it down, it's just, like, someone telling their kind of faith journey on how yeah. they, like, found God. But really, ultimately, it's, like, them telling, like, they're just getting vulnerable with you, to be honest. Yeah. And just, like, telling you a time it was tough and how they yeah. got back. But, like, what do you think is, like. Uh, it's probably not one thing, but like, what is it? What, why are testimonies so great? I don't know. It's crazy. That's a, that's a great question. I think the power of a person's story just affects people in a different way than just like an informational. Yes. You know, um, like, uh, uh, I always thought, uh, like learning in a classroom was always difficult for me because it was always informational. But like, if someone gets up and tells me their story, I'm just like locked in. 
you know um so i think there's just a difference there because it's more it's more personal and it's it's just unique everyone's got their own unique story right um so i don't know i've never really been big on um just more informational talks um I, i never felt like that affected me more but um i think everyone's different too um in this conference in particular what really affected me was like how happy everyone was around me it was just like everyone was so joyful and i was like not happy at that time i was like get away from me i want to be in my own little bubble you know like i don't want to talk to you and everyone was just so joyful um and it really rubbed off on me and um at the end of it i i came away from that conference like man there's some things that i learned that i really want to take with me and when I went back is like, I really want to change my life. And that was kind of the start of everything that changed for me. So, Dude. Yeah. <clears throat> That's like, so take me through that now. Like, okay. I want to know, <laughs> I want to know, like, you can't just say, yeah, change my life. That's a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> change my life. All yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah. That was a good podcast. Thank you. Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love to know, like, um, what were those kind of next steps? Like, that? I mean, obviously you get to St. Thomas and there's the logistical yeah. things that we know, but like, what were kind of those steps that, you know, yeah. mentally, emotionally, like you mm-hmm. took to change your life? Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest thing is when I went back, I started really looking into different religions when I went back to South Dakota. Um, I looked into Catholicism, different types of Christianity, um, even other religions, too. I was just like really an open book and I cool. started looking into everything. And I started meeting with a priest. Um, his name was Father Jeff Norfolk, and he he kind of taught me all like what Catholicism was like front to back of the catechism and he basically just answered all my questions I had all these questions about Mother Mary I had all these questions about like different aspects of the Catholic faith that just made no sense to me and he, he was just very calm uh, very patient with me and just answered all my questions and it took about a year and a half of like continuing to go to Bible study, starting, started going to mass. I started, you know, meeting with father Jeff and eventually I just, I found that that was the truth for me in terms of, um, what Christ wanted in terms of Christianity in the world. Um, and obviously there's a lot of things, um, wrong with it in today's world, but I think it, um, Christ's initial, um, plan and vision for Christianity is what Catholicism is. And that's my belief. Um, and when I came to that conclusion, I decided to become Catholic. Um, and I got confirmed and baptized into the church cause I actually wasn't baptized when I was a kid. Um, so when I got baptized, my whole football team was there that day, which was like a really, really cool thing. That was a cool witness for them. Um, and for me too, and my family came up for it and everything. And so I, I became Catholic and then it was three or four months later is when I started looking into going to seminary. So this was my sophomore season and I was playing good that year um, and everything. And like football was continuing and it was okay. Um, but I really just felt like drawn to like take it to the next level. I wanted to just like really dive in. I was pretty on fire for it. Um, and that was the draw, um, to look into seminary. And then when everything just like kept falling together with that, 
I just knew it was God's will for me to like take that step. So I made the decision, like, you know, you're going to walk away from the, the D one life and you know, the image and everything that that entails. And I'm going to go here and, you know, really dive deep into my faith and play football too, but football. With these knuckleheads. Yeah. With these they knuckle show up and you got a couple like Q-tip looking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey Jordan. Hey, How you doing, Jordan? hey, welcome to the St. Thomas football team. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, that was the the decision behind it. That's kind of Damn. the backstory. So that's super freaking cool, man. Yeah, I love how you said level up, and I'm like thinking in the back of my head, and you already touched on it. Was just like he's leveling up, but he's like going down to D three football. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah. like in your own life, like you're honestly, honestly looking at that as a leveling up because you really, really wanted to pursue I totally your was. faith, man. Like yeah. that is so cool well, thank you man that you can make that sort of decision at what 23 at the time or 22 I was only 21 at the time. 21 yeah, there you yeah. go like so, good for you man thank you man that's awesome so then catapulting from there yeah <laughs> walk so, me through exact i mean you could you could go many different ways from here right yeah. there was so much that happened mm-hmm. um and then um your story has some awesome tidbits for a lot of listeners to take away from i'm curious on your initial um, you're walking into the seminary school. You have this this passion, this urge to learn more, to embrace this culture, uh, this community. Mm-hmm. Um, what was kind of like the the first few weeks, the first few months of how how you felt, um, and like the reflection period now, four years later, how how'd that go? Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think what drew me to the seminary in the first place was like the brotherhood and um, community in the seminary. So you're living with 130 other guys who are like actively pursuing their faith and being the best person they can be i was like all about that and so when i first got there i was just like on cloud nine because not only am i around all these phenomenal human beings with a great formation staff um, with priests who are really living in truth which was awesome but i'm also a part of this football team that is in my opinion doing it the right way i think caruso's you know, really created a special program where guys are becoming the best versions of themselves, right? We hear that all the time. But it was like everywhere I was going, it was like you're just around phenomenal people. And I was just like on cloud nine, obviously. Um, But I was really drawn to the discipline aspect of seminary. Um, I'm like a very discipline-oriented dude. You guys know that. And so, like, you know, getting up – and going to holy hour at 5:30 in the morning i was like attracted to that you know not not many people would like want to go do that but like i was all about it um and like going to mass every single day um contemplation of scripture going through the scriptures and reading spiritual books and um just being around that atmosphere was like so cleansing for me because i grew up and my identity identity was always wrapped up in football right i'm always i was always jordan the football player Mr. Gatorade player of the yeah, year, D1 yeah, player, exactly. et cetera. And that was how I associated myself, too, and I didn't even know it at the time. And even during my time in seminary, I still did that, and it took a long time for me to, like, unpack that and realize how deeply rooted that was. Um, and it was only recently where uh, my identity started to flip from Jordan the football player to Jordan, a beloved son of God. And that is where my identity has changed and it's and i think a very important distinction is god loves you for who you are not for what you do and that's what i learned through seminary and just through even time after that 
um, it doesn't necessarily matter as much what you do. And we live in such a results um, based society right now. Um, but the key thing for me was learning that he loves me for who I am. And, you know, even in our friend group, you look at our friend group and, um, it's a really, really special friend group that we have because we all care for one another for like who we are as people. It's not necessarily, I love you because you, you have a back pocket podcast. You know, we, we love each other for who we are. And that's, that's what makes our friendship so strong and why everyone in our friend group right now is organically kind of finding out who they are and and finding their way because there's, there's a purity there. There's a love there. That's not results based. And it's not like about what you do, but it's about who, who we are as people who we're becoming, who we're becoming. Yes, exactly. That's what I was telling you last night. I was just like, I love the situation and like the time that we're in right now. Like we're all, single like whatever yeah. cool that's <laughs> that's one thing but like we're all living in this parallel like upward trajectory yeah. and it's so obvious and it's yeah. so cool to like literally week to week go and having these different conversations with like no doubt all my friends and now you being back in town and you know seeing what you want to do and everything it's just yeah. like it's a testament man you're totally right yeah it's awesome man and i think that was the biggest change for me when i moved here was that these people around me are caring about me not because I'm this great football player or doing these things, but they care about me for who I am. And that was kind of the start of change for, for me in my life. So, Oh yeah. Caring about you for who you are. Cause at first Jordan, we've had this conversation. You walked into the, uh, the locker room and I heard that you came from South Dakota played mm-hmm. and everyone was talking about how you played against Oregon and all this stuff. And I'm sitting Ran here for like a hundred yards. Against <laughs> yeah, Oregon. Exactly. And, like, and, I, and then I'm sitting here in my locker, like, Who's this fucking guy Who coming in guy? here <laughs> thinking he's going to be better than us? We work harder than anyone in the country. I don't care who he is. We're going to outperform and he's going to get weeded out oh, just yeah. like everyone else does. Just like the, all the other D1 transfers that yeah. like, don't <laughs> pan, don't out, pan here. out here. because Same I'll, kid. Whatever. We're just different. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we played spring ball together and then went to Italy. Mm-hmm. And I, we got to know each other through spring ball and then truly got to know each other in Italy. And oh, yeah. I mean, from there on, it's been true. Uh, one of the one of the more uh, influential relationships I've ever had uh, with a friend because the age difference that we have is four years uh, yet. It feels like we're like, you're my older brother's age. So it's like, I've always looked at all my older brother's friends as like, Oh, they're that's someone who's so off in the distance type of thing. And like, you just have this aura about you where the, when, when you're around, when people are around you, they're the most important people. And like, just, getting to know you through that way. It was just like the coolest thing. I'm like, I get to be around Jordan Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, he cares about the pe- every single time you're in the situation with him, he cares about those people. And I just loved seeing that uh, in first person. And then also in third person, when I was just like standing around, seeing you interact with all the different communities that you were investing so much time and energy in. Yeah. And that is one of the coolest things of how you were able to, deviate your time and maximize or rather optimize both of those situations i appreciate it bro Mm -hmm. that was a really fun time man and like i just remember the i actually remember the first time i ever saw you i i was like this dude's got a chicago uh blackhawks shirt on i was like we might be friends (laughs) (laughs) and um i i started talking to you you were a hawks fan and um you like the steelers obviously but from chicago and i remember just like loving this uh this way about you were just like really straight up and blunt and like 
when I found out like you were on the Italy trip, it was just like, let's go. I'm going to like get to know this dude. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, me, you shark, um, and Maddie and just like the whole, that whole trip was just like really special, man. Like, um, and it really culminated the day we went on cliff diving, dude. That was just like the the time I was like, this is gonna be a, a special thing moving forward. <laughs> Kayaking together yeah. and just yelling at each other. That you're was, wrong. No, uh, you're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> we were coming in that dead. A couple of beefcakes on the on a kayak coming in dead last. Just like overcorrecting oh, the whole yeah. time. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, that's it was uh, that brutal. Like as a uh, third party listener to this conversation of a couple guys who you know work out and are kayaking. Not shocking, to not, be honest. Not shocking, not shocking that this happened, <laughs> that this played out the way it did. Yeah, to be honest, exactly. Uh, but that trip was able to like kickstart your kind of um, your community involvement with St. Thomas football, and then you also had the seminary school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then from then you were able to become the Division Three football player of the year as a running back, and had an awesome season. Um, and we could talk about that for hours, mm-hmm. um, but I'd rather kind of transition to later in your career yeah. when you've had some a, another situation where you got hit, and, you got punched in the face. Yeah, man. Uh, no doubt. Where you you had to hang up the cleats due to injuries, um, and as you were just mentioning, football you you football was defining you. You allowed football to define you, define yeah. you, and then you found another outlet eventually. Uh, however, let, walk me through kind of those those stages or that stage in your life, dude. Uh, you hit it spot on definitely got punched in the mouth um and even up to that point i remember so much of like who i thought i was and the the identity that i had for myself was still wrapped up in this in football and in the process and the orient and not the orientation but, um, but the results that i got i was so wrapped up in all that and i wanted to you know i wanted to like please coach i wanted to like please the team and um always be like that dude that dude was you know who was leading the team to like you know national championship or whatever um but that year i was really burnt out even at the start um and i was coming off a knee injury um and i just was this your senior year by the yeah, way yeah senior okay. year so and, our senior year yep and i was just um i was really tired man i was i've been doing this for a long time and i just felt exhausted all the time and you know when I, I got knocked out of that game against Concordia and I was just like, I literally went unconscious. I don't know if I ever told you guys, but I was unconscious for like 12 hours when I went to the hospital with my parents and I woke up and I'm like in my pad still. And it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm in the hospital and I had no idea how I got there. And it was just like literally a punch in the mouth. And after that, I was like, is this something I want to continue to do? And that was the start of the process of like really defining who I am. You know, what's your why? We talk about that all the time. And, you know, it was a really tough time for me to like let go of this thing that I've cherished for so long. You know, I was 24 at the time. And like this football is so important to me. It was like my life, man. Football was all of our lives. It and, was. And like that, the sad reality and. It's, it's finite game. You it know? totally <laughs> it's is a finite game. It is, and um, that was just really tough for me to accept. Um, and there was things that I wrapped up about my own identity that I wasn't even aware of. Um, and after that, it was like, "Who are you? Like, who's Jordan without football?" Right? And it was the best. It was tough and difficult, but it was the best process I ever went through because now I know exactly who I am 
without the game of football. Football is a part of, you know, what I do still, and I enjoy it, but it's not who I am. It's not my identity. It's not my, even my purpose in life is not football, you know. And so I think coming to St. Thomas and going through that process was so huge for me. I think that's why I didn't, you know, have another huge season after 2015. God wanted me to, like, really learn the most important lesson in my life. Um, and who is Jordan without football? And I, I learned that through that process. And it was hard. It was difficult. And um, But through time, it happened. And, um, you know, even this last year working in Seattle, I'm sure we'll, you know, talk about that. Um, but even then, um, s- stuff continued to come up about, like, how you identify yourself with football. And now it's just it's so much different now. Um, and this last year was, was huge for me. And I don't know if you guys still want to talk about, you know, St. Thomas. but No, I love – well, yeah. like, let's just go there. So, like, I mean, you – physically get knocked yeah. out of a game and yeah. like i had no idea that you went unconscious yeah. for 12 hours yeah That's I didn't, so nuts i know i didn't really tell many people that it was it was my fourth concussion but this one was like a nasty one and the doctors like couldn't even tell me what to do after that they're like if you get another one i don't know how long you'll be knocked out and stuff like oh. that so it was just like there's too many loose ends and like yeah uh, so that was kind of the main decision to stop it's pretty playing. clear yeah <laughs> yeah i was like okay, quite frankly yeah, but i mean I <clears throat> like i mean we we finished that season out for what it's mm-hmm. worth and you know it's over at that point yeah and, you know you get this opportunity because i like being your friend knowing you're going through seminary and you know being an active having mm-hmm. that as your active practice but dude you were so head in the film like you were (laughs) still watching so much football i know (laughs) and so you know even though football wasn't you weren't physically playing football Mm -hmm. you're i mean you're still working out you're still watching a ton of tape and it was pretty obvious like okay this kid wants to become like a scout this kid wants to get this kid wants to be a coach or something like Mm -hmm. you were you still wanted your life incorporating football so like kind of walk me through that process and then obviously getting this sweet opportunity with Pete carroll and the seahawks yeah (laughs) that was fun um so that last year um was was it was difficult because like I was transitioning out of the seminary. I didn't I, I knew I didn't want to continue on in seminary formation. Yeah. At that time. So it was like, okay, what now? And you know Well what like can we touch on that a little bit? Like yeah. what made what was like I mean what got you to St. Thomas was seminary, but like mm-hmm. when you graduated seminary wasn't necessarily in the picture. So what was the Yeah. Um so I think the big thing was that um, the people who were ahead of me, um, my formation director and my spiritual director, Father Kelly, you guys know Father Kelly, Mm -hmm. um, and I, we all didn't feel like moving on was the right thing for me. Mm. Um, And it was a unanimous decision, um, and it was even unanimous with my diocese that I was studying for, too. And no one really felt like going on was, like, the best thing for me. And it was it was um a decision to really get into like having a job and like serving other people um was the main um desire behind that because i had never had a job up until that point um i always just trained for football um so i was like well i want to do something involved in football you know i want to either get into coaching or scouting and just through contacts that i had around even the twin cities um, with matt burke and brooks bollinger and um, Rich Gannon and, um, you know, Willie Schneider and all these people just really helped me see that, like, 
scouting is something that I would really enjoy. So I started getting my information out to like everyone in the league and Willie, um, really kind of helped me prep for the interviews and stuff. And Willie's a full-time scout with the Seahawks. Now he's been there five years and he helped me get involved, um, and get my name out there and stuff. And I got an interview with the Cardinals that went really well. I didn't end up getting a job, but then the Seahawks had a, had a job like opening pop up, like super late in the process. And they brought me out for an interview. Um, I remember Willie calling me. I, I, um, it was after I you know, got let know by the Cardinals that I wasn't going to get the job. So I was like, okay, what's the next thing? I didn't think I was going to end up being in the NFL that year. And Willie called me. He's like, you're not going to believe this, but we have a spot open. We want to bring you out for an interview. And I was just like so jacked. And I was like, is this the Hawks? Like this is one of my favorite teams. You know, Legion of Boom. Like, let's go. Seattle's dope. Um, and then I went up there and ended up getting the job after a, a really good interview with them. Um, and it felt right. Like I prayed about it a lot and it felt like that was the path I was supposed to go at the time. Um, and you know, that year was just awesome, man. It was like so fun being in the NFL. Um, growing up, I was obsessed with the NFL. So like, I felt like a kid in the candy store for like the first three months. I was like, I can't believe I'm like here in the draft room, you know, and behind, behind the enemy lines. I'm like, you know, on the inside of all these big decisions being made, it was just so fun. Um, and then you're also in our fantasy football league, which is like, to be honest, quite unfair. (laughs) I mean, yes and no, but like, how do you know how good a player is going to play on a Sunday? You know, I don't know if you watch 70 hours of film <laughs> yeah. on him, you might have a better idea than the kid who gets drunk on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It started off actually kind of rough and then, you know, pulled it together late, but, uh, yeah. Did you win last year? I don't even remember. No, okay. I got, Oh, Andy won. This man right. won. Yeah. yeah. This kid, I'm, this I'm coming won. for your head this year. I know. Boy. I'm ever on this. <laughs> All right. We don't need to talk like that uh, mm-hmm. about fantasy football, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's crazy, dude. So yeah. like, a kid in the candy store. I oh, freaking man. love that, man. It so, was so fun. you freaking walk on campus. I mean, do you get to like partake in all of the different, um, like, like facilities? Do you get to like work yeah. out in the same facilities, eat at yeah. the same cafeteria? Yeah, all of it. Dude, man. it was awesome. Oh, so, like, hang the, out with all the players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on the players like all the time. So, the, the facility that we train and work at, like, it's players, scouts, and coaches all in one building. So, like, you eat you know you eat there you work out there you work there and all the players are coming in and out all the time and um it's just like a huge massive nfl workout facility and um you know three huge practice fields you have an indoor practice field and it's just it's legit man it's what you would expect out of like you know the nfl it's like the real deal so yeah um being around that environment was just like like I said, it was just fun. Like all the time I was just cheesing. <laughs> so, That's freaking awesome. Yeah. And your exact role was, um, being the area, um, scout director. No, no, mm. no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, you, you got to correct me. My research is, uh, it's all good. So flawed. we were basically scouting interns. We, there was three guys that were in the same role and our job was, was basically doing, making sure everything was up to date around the offices. Um, so every, you know, coach and scout has like their own depth chart and their board. And we're in charge of like making magnets and making sure depth charts are always updated. 
and my office was actually in the draft room. So in the draft room, you have, you know, a bunch of information in there. Um, the, every wall is a whiteboard and you have magnets of like every team and a um, bunch of different strategies and stuff like that. So I was constantly updating that. And then our main role as like first year scouts was taking care of players when they came in. So when a player, a free agent player would come in, we'd pick them up, take them to their physical, hang out with them, make sure they see the coaches and the scouts and everybody, um, take them out to dinner, all that stuff. So like, I got to know a bunch of the guys that we brought in, um, which was in my opinion, the funnest part. Cause you get to just hear different stories from all around the league. And a lot of these guys have been a bunch of different teams. Um, so you just hear, you hear about, how other teams do their thing and how we do our thing and yeah. all the differences there. And it's just really cool to hear different perspectives. And um, Was there anyone in particular that you vibed with? Oh, yeah, a bunch of guys. Um, Bobby Wagner was the first dude that I met, first player that I met when I went there and, like, had breakfast with him the first day. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like, yeah, that's awesome. He's, he's one of the only 99 guys on that yeah. this year. Yeah, dude. One of four. Oh, yeah. One of four. Yeah, he's like, the real deal. Your man, man uh, from Chicago. Yeah, Khalil. Uh, Khalil's yeah. in there. And uh, two other guys. I can't remember. Hopkins, Hopkins. and uh, another defense. Donald. Donald. Yeah, of course, Aaron Donald. Donald. <laughs> yeah. so. Four 99 players. Um, Madden, Madden knows best. Yeah. I guess. Sure. That's awesome. Good for them. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm agreeing. Madden does know best. I just think it's so funny that headlines now are what the ratings are of players yeah. on like a game that's like made up. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> just just dudes playing on the field. Yep. Whatever. I love it. Anyways, Bobby Wagner. Uh, so Bobby was really really cool. Um, he's just like he knows everyone in the building and treats everyone really well. Um couple other guys Malik Turner is a receiver um who I got to know really well um he's actually best friends with Gabe Green they went to high school together so no shout out Malik Turner um and then just you know different guys throughout the team I, I mean I like talked with all of them I don't know, necessarily know if I got like super close with anybody but um, we were close again Brett Hunley on this podcast dude I was tight with Brett um Brett's a really good man uh really good person um is he still on the Seahawks no he's with the Cardinals now Cardinals. so yeah okay. he got let go and went uh, to AZ this offseason but he was a really really cool dude Tyler Lockett's an awesome guy he just knows everybody and is super chill and you know just knows everyone's name in the building which is awesome and, you know, you have, like, your guys who are um, kind of in their own little lane and, you know, they don't necessarily talk to a whole lot of people. But then you have your other players on the team who are, um, you know, they know the, the, the kitchen staff and the people upstairs and the scouts. And um, those people are just really awesome because they're not necessarily, like, the, the big time. You know, they don't big time you and they get to know you and stuff off the field. So, you really appreciate those dudes because, yeah, you know, they're just good people. So. Yeah, that's one thing that we quickly realized with Chad Greenway coming in. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, growing up, loving the game of football. Yeah. That being our lives, our main focus. When you have someone of that caliber walk in, like, we could have easily just been, like, goo-goo eyes, just awe and over yeah. him. And I think we did our best at just, like, looking at him as just, like, this guy who's accomplished a lot. Yeah. He's just got a, he's, he's a great dude. No and uh, we, we were able to share a conversation with that mentality, and that was one of the coolest things. Like, yeah, yeah they're studs, they're elite athletes, yeah. but they're also just got these killer 
personalities that yeah. if you treat them as such, you get the you get that out of them. Yeah, dude, and that's the temptation. In the NFL is like, you know, this guy's a stud, and it's like you you don't think that they would like ever open up to you, but they, I mean, they're good people, man. Like these guys are really really good people. Like I remember the first time I talked to Russell Wilson, and it's like it's the temptation is to treat him like that's just this like you know superstar untouchable but yeah mm-hmm. but he, he's a person he's a really good person so it's cool to be able to like connect with those guys so. yeah and that's i mean same thing with chat too it was just like the second we met the guy he was he just wanted to be one of the guys yeah like yeah. anytime he like told a story it was just like you guys get it like you guys played football just as much as i did like yeah. We're like, oh, not as much, Chad, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was really cool that like he was just like so humble and mm-hmm. aware enough to just like bring him down to bring himself down to that level consistently yeah. and just goes exactly to your point. I feel like that just takes you so much further in life. I would hope just no, having no. that sort of awareness and mentality. Um, so the season ends. Yeah. What happens at that point? I mean, you're still grinding. Like, how yeah. many hours a week are you working during oh, the season versus the off season? So the off or the in season is like the chill time for scouts. Believe it really? or not, yeah, um, not for the college scouts. So the college scouts are out on the road year round, and they're going to every school throughout the season and going to yeah. games and meeting players. But if you're a pro scout, and I was like more on the pro side in office, um, you're doing stuff week to week, but um it's not near as busy as after the season so after the season you're locked in the draft room and you're watching tape on like every college player that's a prospect for you and you're setting your draft board and you're you know ranking players and interviewing them and you got to go to the senior bowl the combine and even some other all-star games that um not as many people know about but um so you're constantly interviewing players you're watching tape you're going to see these guys in person and that's like when scouts make their money that's their super bowl like the draft is our super bowl so you spend three months getting ready for the draft and when that day comes you gotta be ready man so that's like the the day of days for scouts jeez it's a grind so nuts it's three months of work for one day so three months of work for one day yeah how would you uh, how would you grade your your team's performance uh, like from the front office? We had a phenomenal draft this year. Nice. Absolutely crushed it. Um, so we we started the draft with four picks and we ended with nine. So we treat we uh, we traded back multiple times in the first, traded back in the second, and we still ended up with a bunch of players that we really wanted. And the more we traded back, the more flexibility we had to get, you know, move up and down the draft board. I think we, I think we had like six trades. I want to say five or six trades. So John Schneider is our GM and huge shout out to John. I just love that man. He's one of the greatest human beings I've met. Um, Is he a St. Thomas alum? He is. That's right. So him and Willie both went to St. Thomas. Um, and John is just an amazing person. The way he can communicate with so many different um, people in the building and keep everything together and just the decisions that he makes. And he's always so, like, calm, cool, and collected, even under pressure. Um, he, he was, I mean, he's doing what he should be doing. He's, he's, he's like a GM, you know, in the league. And mm-hmm. um, it's just so cool to watch him go to work. And I learned so much from John. And, um John and I actually, and Willie went to, you know, went to mass a couple of times during the season. 
um, he's there come from a Catholic family. So it was just like really cool to have like, to get to know these people off the field. And, you know, I spent a ton of time with them, obviously. Um, so that was like my biggest takeaway was like getting to know Willie, getting to know John, the other scouts on the staff. I'm just like so thankful for their presence in my life because they're just really good people, man. Really good people. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. So then after that big day, the draft day, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, technically, what, two, three days, but mm-hmm. um, what happened after that? I mean, you're back here now, so yeah. <laughs> just curious, like, how, how did it all kind of shake out? Because it's, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. It's so, a ruthless, it's ruthless oh, cutthroat. Yeah, yeah, it's a cutthroat business. Um, so I did a really good job um, throughout the season, and they told me they did, you know, I did a great job. Um, it was mainly a business decision in the end. Um, and that's like the best way I can really describe it. Um, yeah. but they, they wanted to go in a different direction in terms of personnel on staff. Um, you know, football is going a lot more towards, um, you know, analytics and stuff like that. Um, and I think that they just wanted to do the internship a little differently next year than what they did this year. Um, and usually they have movement um ahead of like the first year scouts so like first year scouts are usually groomed for a higher up position but that no one on our staff like left this year which is not always the case um usually there's like a spot that opens up yeah um but this year there wasn't and it was just a it was a business decision man like you know that's just how it goes um so i didn't i was obviously really upset because i wanted to stay there um i felt really close with those guys but at the end of the day like i was like incredibly thankful for that opportunity man so yeah it was a blast i loved it so now so. you're you took that experience and now you're freaking back here in the yeah, saddle baby, baby. <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is awesome so i mean yeah. i it was funny i was asking you last night like i mean obviously saint you're saint thomas head or saint thomas head, you're saint thomas running backs coach now mm-hmm. um super excited for you to you know join the team of course me too bro it's gonna um, be fun but I I was talking to you last night. You were like, I was like, so like, what do you want to do long term, Jordan? Like, yeah, what's 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 the move? And you're like, I want to change the world. I was like, dude, <laughs> yeah. I love that. So Thanks, I want to I want to walk through that, man. What's yeah. it, what's it all about? No doubt. Um, so obviously I'm coaching football this year, and that'll be big for me to be able to really fill out coaching and scouting to see if it's something I want to pursue long term. Mm-hmm. But the ultimate goal for me is to number one follow god's will and i think i really want to be able to be um, in public speaking and ministry um, full-time and i don't know how that's going to manifest down the road Um, but i really want to help restore identity in people and i want to really help um I want to help restore human dignity. That's my biggest thing. Um, And I think that's something that's really lacking in our society right now. I want people to know that they're, that they're loved, that they're cherished. And I want, I want to help protect people's dignity. And I want people to see how like incredible they are and how every single person is just like an absolute miracle. Um, and I want to help, you know, promote change in those areas. I don't know how it's going to happen or what God's going to do with that. But I want men especially. There's, I think there's a serious lack of manhood in our society right now. Um, and I want, I want men to be firm in their identity. So 
the word male, actually the root word male actually means to remember. And for me, I want to help men remember who they are. And I think men were made to be fathers. I think men are made to, to protect and love and to love and to serve other people. Um, I firmly believe that. And to give of yourself, that's what men are created for. Um, I think that's how God designed us, how he created us. Um, to give of ourselves and to love other people as Christ loved the church. That's what St. Paul tells us in, in um, the book of Acts. It says, men love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church? We are the church. Christ died for us. So I want men to learn how to die to themselves and how to come out of themselves. But, you know, it all starts, you know, with your own walk. Like, you have to be able to live that too. Um, so I'm, I'm actively working on that, actively working on how do I serve other people? How do I love what, you know, what is love? So I'm, like, really trying to learn right now and grow in my faith but I want to promote human dignity and fatherhood especially um, and I, I just I want men to be who they're created to be and I want women to be who they're created to be and um, I'm really passionate about that again I don't know how it's going to manifest down the road um, we'll see right now I'm coaching football I'm gonna give that my all and um, it's just another way for me to, to help people and serve. And I was much more drawn to coaching um, because you can really help develop people. So that's going to be You're like fun. more on the front lines of, you know, making men, yeah. <laughs> especially on the football field. Seriously, yeah. yeah. And that's definitely the draw to coaching. I see how Caruso is affecting men, and it's it's incredible. You know, and he's he's helping men become men and, like, boys become men. Um and it's just really, it's a special program. It's a special place. But, like, I could totally see myself in a role like that, you know. Yeah. Um, helping men see their, their dignity and their value and their worth and um, teaching men how to become fathers. So that's that's what I'm really passionate about. Yeah, I mean, if you look back at the back pocket, season three, season two, season one, all of the guys that we've had on that played St. Thomas football and all of their stories, I mean, truly embody Coach Caruso-isms. Yeah. Yeah. And and what he is yeah. helped us kind of uh, uh, see helped us craft craft our brains in a way that like yeah. it, I mean you can take you can take anything from that you can look at that position in, in a negative way because it's very intense and yeah. it's very one sided um, and there's things that you could be you could go down this rabbit hole of negativity absolutely um, and people do but from Declan and I's perspective. We loved every second of it because we had the opportunity to look for all the good exactly. and all the stuff that it, that you can take away and be like, I can be a better person because of this. No doubt. And there are so many things he just pushes you to look inward. Um, and that is the coolest thing from Coach Caruso to Coach Walsh and Coach Kaczynski. All of those men were just so pivotal in the yeah. back pockets creation and Declan and I's growth. Yeah. And we were able to share that together is one of the coolest things. And now you're having this focus of trying to uh, do the same, to return yeah. that same thing to the next generation. And that fires me up. It does, man. Because there's so many different ways you can go about it. And I love how you, you already said on a few occasions, I don't know how this is going to look. Mm -hmm. But this is what I want to do. And right now, I have an opportunity to practice it. Yep. Um, and 
because we know you're going to succeed in whatever you want to do. Um, and it doesn't have to become, again, what we say, it doesn't have to be the number one public speaker in the ministry mm-hmm. of your field. It do, you don't need that. You yeah. just need, we have that same type of intrinsic reward of impacting yeah. the, the, the few and, and the ones that want to be impacted, that see the value. Yeah. And you that's something to, that we share together. Absolutely. You don't have to like fit a mold. You don't have like, you you obviously like want to restore dignity and like create like uh, promote men to be fathers but like dude you just got to be jordan yeah <laughs> like being Amen. jordan's gonna do all those things it's gonna take care of itself over time it's gonna yeah. it's gonna inspire the hell out of other people just like you've set the world on fire with us like it's Thanks, that's literally what it is man it's just like you got to look inward and, and be yourself yeah. and the way you kind of unpack more about yourself is a lot of like through that struggle like you said i think dying for god earlier which is like a yeah. very intense way to say it but it like, is it is but, but like a great but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's real hey yeah. i mean like yeah you it, it is going through that struggle that um or any struggle that will really unpack a lot about who you are so i love appreciate it brother i love that man i think it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome i i do want to touch on like you said like we've lost touch as men as with manhood and human dignity yeah why do you think that is well i mean you look around our our culture right now and there's a lot of um there's a a lot of selfishness going on right now Um, a lot of ego a lot of self-centered actions um and a good father and a good man um if you i mean we all have examples of good fathers in our life and what do they do? They put other people before themselves. And I think that was one of Christ's main message messages in the gospels. And Christ is the ultimate um, example of what manhood is and what, you know, dignity is. And um, right now you, you look at around our, our culture and I think people have lost sight of that. I think um, I want, and, and love is always the answer, in my opinion. I think everything that we do is is an effort to, to re, um, receive and to give love. I think that's the ultimate desire in a person's heart. Um, and I think men are created to give love and to, to receive love as well, but we're, we're made to provide and to... Um, help and to serve other people and I think that's just lacking right now Um, there's a lot of people who are um, really wrapped up in themselves right now and that's just kind of the vibe that I'm getting around the culture and around um, people that I know and I mean not necessarily in our friend group or anything but um, I just want to I want to help people see that giving and serving other people is not a negative thing that's actually what we're yeah. created for so it's freaking it's all about the give back we talk about is. that all the time and it's it's something that uh i guess doesn't really get realized um right away like early someone, or early it's yeah. just like when someone tells you like oh yeah it's all about the give back like if you give back you get more in return it's like great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i've i've served others before it's mm-hmm. not that fun sometimes no, it's but not. like it's not but if if you can fo- find or formulate or look at it from a different perspective or a lens of like 
Like, for example, like looking at this podcast is like giving to others. It is. As long as it's like truly giving to others, like that I know that like the people that are listening to this podcast or maybe someone that's listening right now that texts me and says, dude, you crushed that podcast mm-hmm. with Jordan. Like that just kind of gives me validation in a sense that I am giving back. You are. Like I know my dad's going to love this podcast and like that's already given me validation. But like that at that point, like that is the give back. Like yeah. I am actively giving back. I'm spending my time for others. Like that makes me so happy and it's yep. it's now easy for me to say that so it is about the give back but it mm-hmm. is also finding that give back that's important to you exactly yes yeah, so that's key um and that's that's the ultimate desire for both of you i think in this podcast is you want to help other people you want to promote you want to hear people's stories and the ultimate desire behind all of that is you want to help other people yeah. and i think that's that's awesome it's beautiful um, there's a really cool quote by St. John Paul II. He said, man only truly finds himself when he makes himself a total gift for other people. And I think it, it's hard, it's tough, but when you give of yourself for the good of other people, for the good of other people, what is actually good for another person, when you give of yourself for that cause, that's what brings us ultimate fulfillment. And that's what I believe. It's freaking awesome. It's man. freaking awesome. I love it, dude. And when you mentioned going down to Orlando and being impacted by people's stories, mm-hmm. I mean that resonates with Deck and I to the fullest. Yeah, uh, we are trying our best to illuminate people's stories in positive, inspirational ways, so that a listener feels like they can do the same. It's beautiful, man. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool that we have the opportunity to do that on a daily basis. Twice today, once with Brooklyn great friend of ours for five years who's doing some awesome stuff and now we get to sit down with another great friend doing awesome stuff and the way we've kind of gone about this whole thing of restoring dignity if you will um in 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 our own unique way we're we're restoring dignity we'll say it yeah live on this podcast (laughs) yeah we do that we could we could go on and say that by it's by asking the average quality it's by looking (laughs) it is we we literally ask the average quality to take us off of this this back pocket pedestal that sometimes people put us on because yeah. we put out all this content and sometimes people look at us like we're, do, we're better, but in reality, we're far from it. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we reiterate that on a consistent basis with this average quality question. Um, and you know the drill at this point, we've talked about (laughs) it for, for two and a half years with you and you've heard coach Kaczynski go, uh, line wildly average. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so Jordan, what's your average quality? Oh man. So I, I thought about it a lot and this, um, specific quality about me is just really infuriating at times, but for me, it is inability to have consistency with my nutrition um it's Mm. obviously wildly average but when i was playing you know my nutrition was you know usually pretty spot on but now that i'm like done playing i'll i'll like have a diet plan for a couple weeks and i'm just like on fire for it and i'm doing great and i'll totally just get like uninterested so it's like a two-week like ratio where i'm doing good and then i'll get back to like eating domino's pizza you know it's like so I'm just wildly inconsistent and incredibly average with the food I'm putting in my body. I'd like to like um, be more consistent with it, um, but I'm always like on the move and like traveling and like doing different stuff. So it's just like it's been really challenging to like have a consistent you know nutritional plan. Um, 
but that inconsistency kind of like rubs off on other places in my life so i'd probably just say inconsistency in general so Mm -hmm. i like to tag it as for me personally it's been the sparks of inspiration with the fleeting inspiration like you have like i always get these like all right i'm locked in i can grind yeah for six hours for three weeks and then there's like a four-day period where it's just like the production level just hits an all-time low yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that can happen in nutrition that can happen in content creation and exactly. sleep and every aspect of it. and it all falls in at different some at different parts yeah. and then sometimes it comes at, at all at the same point and you're like holy shit i'm crashing exactly <laughs> yeah well and i think like to that point it's like recognizing what's going on around you or what's going on inside your own mind in those mm-hmm. times where you are crushing it or when yeah. you are not crushing it yeah and, exactly you know for me it's a weekly thing where it's like i love messing up a tombstone pizza on like a friday night oh, when yeah, i know great. it but like I only know that's okay if I am consistently getting my four to five workouts every week and I'm waking up at five every morning to go yeah. to work out and I'm, you know, following the, the, the consistent regimen that I set myself out on. So like you can almost like schedule the inconsistency if we're going like strict yeah, nutrition route, like you can plan that nutri- that inconsistency within your own diet. I always thought Tommy Becker said it best, like, there's something like where about eating like a burger with your buddies on a Friday night that releases so much more positivity yeah. and motivation to then triple down the next time you go through your, your diet plan. And it's not like it's shitty food like what Greg Bosch eats with his keto diet. I mean, yeah. like, God bless the kid for all he's <laughs> worth. Um, but like we can't like that. That is an extreme version of dedication to a diet where it's like you don't have to be that crazy. Like yeah. just just dedicate yourself consistently over time. I just, it's, it's fun to recognize those things, man. Just simply recognize that you're bad at it. And like, it's a thrill to ride that roller coaster. Absolutely. And I feel like even with nutrition or like even my sleeping patterns or, um, you know, even workout routines at times, I'm either like all in or like really struggling. So (laughs) like this week has been a struggle, but like next week I'll, freaking turn it on and it'll be just i'll be like absolutely spot on with everything are you doing like different workouts nowadays not now that we're not bulking for football i am yeah what Um, are you doing i when i was in seattle i did a lot more high intensity stuff um high intensity training kind of moderate lighter weight um but you know function-based movements that you're making sure everything's like firing properly um, so I, I did a lot of cardio based stuff, um, mobility training, um, but nothing that ever like got me sore or like mm. absolutely tired where I couldn't work out the next day. So I would activate like all my muscle groups every day and it's more like fatigue training. Um, so you're doing high intensity cardio based training to fatigue, but you're not necessarily ever working or tearing your muscles to the point where you can't get out of bed the next day, you know? Um, yeah. So if I did squats, um, it would be more like three by 12 or three by 20. Um, but it'd be moderate weight, moving it quick, moving it right. And then the next day you could do the same thing cause you're not sore. Um, right. It's more fatigue training more than anything. But now that I'm back with the meats in my house, bunch of meats, dude. Yeah. Got I a might, lot of meat sticks in that oh house. Oh my of gosh. Yours, I might be having to pick up some heavy weight here in the next couple months. <laughs> hey man, speaking of keto Bosch, he is yeah. lifting heavy dude, right now. I worked out with him, you know, three mornings in a row. He's probably showing off a little bit. Uh, 
know, maybe. Yeah, probably. I heard he likes. I heard after he does his last set of squats that he rips like rips his shirt off and screams loud. Is that true? Uh, I haven't seen that yet, but okay. I wouldn't doubt it. I've heard. I've heard myths, and I've heard <laughs> that he like goes through a lot of shirts. I believe it. I believe so, it. yeah, he goes hard, man. Wow. So does Steve-O. I mean, Steve is looking great right now. Always. Shout out Steve he, he has not skipped a beat since graduating football. No. Yeah, still no, looks the no, same. No. Yeah, I took a little hiatus from training for a while. So I went a year. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, you went a year, dude. I, yeah, I literally lost all of my football weight. <laughs> I think that's and now so I actually funny. remember that. Yeah. That was great. You gave me a lot of shit. You were like, you're looking skinny, boy. <laughs> And now I'm just normal. Like, I, I put on, like, a couple pounds of muscle, and now I'm just, yeah. like, average Joe. All right, so now favorite. that you're back in town, I mean, Andrew and I just gave us, like, looked each other in the eye. We're like, we got to take Jordan to Alter. You coming? Uh, seven yeah. free days you can Seven get. free days. Absolutely. Five eight, five thirty or 6.30, whatever a.m. typically yeah, is when we go. And he's a, he's, he works at 5.30. I work out at 6.30. So, so pick your poison. I'm pick down. Your poison. Yep. Probably go 6.30, but yeah. I don't ever want to work out three days. Yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> but uh, nutrition and sometimes some inconsistencies, your average quality. Yeah. Next question is what's in your back pocket? This is something when pressure becomes stress and anxieties mm-hmm. rise, and this is what you use to overcome these situations. Uh, I kind of hit on it earlier, but for me it's always been – and it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's always been love um, and love in, in terms of um, my identity being rooted in, in God and um, having and receiving the, the love from him and just being secure in that, that relationship. And then also my relationship with my friends I love dearly. Um, you know, you guys had, you know, Chad Greenway on the pod last week and he said that his wife was so um, huge in his, in his walk and that, that love that they had together. Um, and I think that's very similar for me is just, um, when, when things get tough, um, when you're in a high stress situation, what do you rely on? For me, it's, it's relationship and love and communion with God more than anything. So like, for example, when we played St. John's and, you know, there's 30,000 people and, um, everyone's kind of looking at you and stakes are high. You're going to touch the ball 25 times a game. Um, for me, it was like, how I prepared for that game is I spent a lot of time in prayer the day before and even day before that and really just grounded myself in that relationship. And when I went out on the field, it was, it was peaceful. Um, didn't let the crowd get to me and you just, you're kind of in communion out there. And that was, um, that was what got me through was the love there and the love for my teammates and, um, love for my brothers, you know. So awesome, it sounds dude. cheesy, but it, no, it's dude. love, man. It's real. That's love the best is powerful, part. baby. Yeah. Amen to that, man. So. Yeah, we like to say uh, love is your boys because, I yeah. mean, I mean, it's, okay, love is your boys. Yeah, that's like a funny, cheesy term for just like your friends and mm-hmm. stuff. But, I mean, it, it is so important. Like it, it we're, like you said, we you, you go back to the point of like what are we really built to do? It's like we're built, we were engineered to like be these specific you know these people that were all in communion collaborating together like exactly. what what brought us to become like the most dominant species from these cavemen yeah to now these people that are recording podcasts yeah <laughs> i know right what was it you know it was the creation of you know these perceived or not even perceived but like maybe even actual 
things or in stories that brought people together to do good religion exactly what brought people together to you know want to compete want to do more things and we we would we conceived the the dollar and the the currency and we would then we created democracy to then make sure everything was fair or just Mm -hmm. and then we created capitalism to then have the competition and create the market to which we all find ourselves in like the these are all things that we thought of ourselves these were all things that we all perceived and conceived and over these 10,000 15,000 years that we've done it man look at us now look at us now <laughs> and it's still we're still talking yeah about the same thing that what we started with which is that love for each other yep. that ultimate care and the giving of ourselves for yeah. other people yeah man we're made to be in communion and we're made to be and like I like I said, we're made to give of ourselves and to be in communion with those that we're appointed to serve. And we're all appointed to serve very specific people. And that was decided a long time ago. And, like, I think that is our why. That's our why. And for me, um, the most important question for a man is, like, who are you? But your mission and your why should be to serve the people that you're appointed to serve. Who is Jordan? I'm a beloved son of God. There you go. That's who I love am. Love it, dude. And you're challenging your you're, you're challenging yourself every day with that, Absolutely. and that is the coolest thing, yeah. right? You're trying to make yourself a better person through that, mm-hmm. and through this podcast, we challenge ourselves every day to grow, um, and we do that through the Jordan Network. So we would love for you to challenge us. If there's a best friend that you want us to have on, we already had Keenan Lodge on, so you can't challenge us oh, with him. Yeah, Keenan, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Keenan, who's the stud. We had to actually do two on. interviews with him because I bought I, we I, I don't know YouTube. We we screwed up the first one, so we had to call him back and oh, do man. another hour and a half with Keenan, which was phenomenal. The second I time, I bet he was super cool about it. Oh, he was the best. Yeah, he loved he's it. Yeah, he loved it. I want to get him on again and in person because he's just he's a change man and he's oh my he's a gosh stud now. if anyone's a or change was, man yeah. Kian Loggins Kian Loggins <laughs> shout out baby yeah. holy shit oh, he's surprising. doing it man he he's is living. doing it season um, 2 what that was over a year ago season 2 like episode 20 something yeah maybe. it was around this time right around this time yeah. last year pretty funny I just think it's so cool that like even 2 years ago he was going out with us in St. Paul and like came and stayed with us and now he's living in Columbia and like doing his own thing man. yeah it's, like, he's like how cool is that it's awesome yeah oh man but Anyways. But anyways, yeah. So okay. who do you challenge us to have on the show? So can I do two? Sure, of Is course, right? man. Um, so first one, I want to shout out to Malik Turner, uh, receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. I uh, got to know him pretty well. And like I said before, he knows Gabe Green well, really well. He's got some St. Thomas ties. Really, really good person. Uh, amazing man. And he's going to be a really good football player this year. I think he's got a big role in the Seahawks offense next year. Um, a little fantasy football insight. I yeah, like that. seriously, yeah. Um, so I would really like to shout out to him to see if he would be interested because he would be a great guy to have, and I know that he would be interested in doing it. So uh, I want to throw the invite out to him. Um, another one would be um, my spiritual director, Father Kelly. You guys know Father Kelly. Yeah. Um, he was very, very close to the St. Thomas football team throughout my time. 
He's a big fan. He's an amazing person. I think you guys would really appreciate his. He's story. the guy who runs uh, Last Chance Mass, right? Uh, that's Father Becker. So he's oh, the, he's the rector of our seminary. Okay. Either two of those guys would yeah. be like phenomenal on this yeah. pod, dude. I got they to, have some yeah. cool stories. I got to know Father Becker, dude. He is he's the man. But he's Kelly, hilarious. I've heard is I've heard great things. So I'm actually gonna do three: Father Kelly, Becker, or, or Malik Turner. So, okay, sweet. Yeah, those awesome are my challenge boys. accepted. That's a, that's a laundry yeah. list. Yeah, I love it. That's Sorry, three boys, full weeks of podcasts. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's a, almost you, a month. That's almost a month. Well, they have Thanks, Jordan. they have some like amazing stories, especially yeah. Father Kelly. Like his decision to like choose priesthood over where he was in his life is like really cool. So, cool, man. Yeah, mm. I love that, man. And. uh so we've been peppering you with questions all day, and I'll be honest, we crushed it. Like Thanks, this was an, already an hour and twenty of action packed. If you're still with us, it's only <laughs> going to get better. Jordan, Here do you have go. any questions for us? Hmm. Honestly, um, I don't have anything too specific right now. Other, yeah, you live with you basically live with us. Uh, I know. So I'm like so you connected all with y'all. Yeah, like you can ask us whenever, but maybe something that the listeners might want to know. That you uh, you might already know the answer to or something. Oh man, um, I'm really struggling here, boys. Uh, Does Maddie C have any questions? I know you guys so well. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Did you just call me? <laughs> Got a little stupid in him. Jeez, that's that's tough. I was not expe- not expecting that, Matt. Holy cow! Um, boys, how you guys? planning on expanding from here here on forward that's that kind of a very broad question but like where do you guys see the pod a year from now well i mean like what i want it to be is obviously like us full-time in the grind and like scaling this impact because i love what we're doing right now uh on this five to nine hustle and we're like really really finding our good purpose of like and a good consistent schedule of production and there's a lot of good back end stuff, but just like the ability that Andrew and I are now realizing that we're locked in listeners, we're getting better at speaking, we're, you know, heads Absolutely. in the dictionary, learning the English language. Yeah. But like we're starting to realize like, okay, of communicating a message of doing what you love. And that is is something that we can scale to impact more people. No and like doubt. you said, like we're built to give and if I can give to more people then We've done it. Amen. And we're going to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. So That's awesome. I scaling wanna... the impact full time is really where I want to be in a year. Cool. I really want to encourage you guys to just keep going. I feel like you guys are like really close to just breaking out, man. I hope. And I, I just have that vibe. I don't know where it's coming from, but I've had it for a while. I think this is going to be a big time thing. So thank you, man. It. Yeah, I appreciate that. And we build it off guys like you, man. I that's mean, exactly like, that's, that's the whole thing. It's, it's like, yeah, Andrew and I are growing and we're operating in the confines of podcasting but like what makes us better or what makes us unique or what makes yeah. us whatever we are or the people we have on such as yourself and the relationships we have outside of this podcast to be quite honest yeah um but for any new listeners right now i want to know uh from your perspective like what uh for your friends and family that are tuning in what would be a good podcast for them to listen to uh, there's a really good podcast called the order of man that i'm a big fan one of, of. our podcasts jordan Oh, but sorry. we could do Order of Man as well. I thought you said other podcasts. Oh no, no, no sorry. I mean, other podcasts like episodes of the back podcast. I'm so sorry. I want to keep. Oh, them, I want to keep them fumble. in the funnel, dude. That's a big. But fumble. Order of Man, shout out to Order of the Man. We yeah, can also just, get them there. Yeah, we, no, like, we like that podcast. We support uh, that. Podcast. We we support that podcast. We, we appreciate Actually, all that they do. Pro oh, Order man. of Man podcast. 
for sure. Yeah. But like, we got him here in the funnel, dude. Like, let's keep him here while we got him. That's so, my like, bad. Who else? Are, that was a like, fumble gonna... on the ten yard line, bro. <laughs> that was bad. Misheard the question, dude. No, uh, but no, no. I when I, he said that question, I was like, Jordan is going to take this as if it's another podcast. <laughs> I blew it. He, I so I put that on this man, no. Tiny Rick. I'll take responsibility. Yeah, Tiny Rick, Tiny Deck got that wrong because he's <laughs> got tiny brain, dude. Tiny <laughs> muscles now. Oh man! Okay. But anyways, any so, other episodes that we could push him and you know keep him involved in back pocket? Um, dude, to be honest with you, I thought the last podcast with your father was super powerful. Marketing intern spotlight number forty-four, John. Yeah, Sarah. dude. See you there. That was powerful. I think um, the one with Kean was really great, and yeah, I'll I'll stick with those two. Sweet. I think Kean and your dad. Yeah, those definitely di- like those two will give our listeners, the new listeners, the, and that's the coolest part, right? You came on the show and you get to bring in your whole community um, into the back pocket, and those that maybe vibe with us will stick around and listen to another one. Yeah. And Kean Laji really speaks to like w- the versatility of how we can handle yeah. conversation, and then my dad is a reflection of our growth. Totally. Uh, so those oh, great recommendations. Thank yeah. you for that, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And finishing it's on this final point. note. Yeah, you're good, dude. <laughs> Don't feel bad. About High and tight. Uh, High and tight. F- final question. Simple question. What did you learn today from the moment that you woke up to when we're having this conversation? Um, I'd say the biggest thing I learned um, is how to really be more thankful for the situation that I'm in. Um, I think like kind of a thing I was struggling with is like, you know, you go from being in the NFL to back in the college atmosphere. You can kind of like let some thoughts in your head. Like, am I doing the right thing? Should I stay in the NFL? Cause I didn't really tell you guys this, but I had like a full time um, job opportunity to be in the NFL that I, I turned down to like be here. Um, Wow. And so like that, that kind of came into my head a little bit. It's just, you know, are you, are you doing the right thing? And I, I totally am. So I'm really trying, um, I've learned really to just trust where I'm at and where I'm at is right. It's, it's where I'm supposed to be and just being like totally in the present moment and happy and at peace with where you're at. So love that. Yeah, I, I love God, that we get to be awesome. there together. We're there together, baby. Mm-hmm. We're here through and through thank you so much for joining the back pocket jordan thank you boys for having me well i've been hanging on the west coast in my heart where I meant to from the start It's so much warmer than the secrets you've been holding in And don't you look at me sideways with those eyes Always acting like you ain't got the time I can't imagine trying to carry what you hold inside But ooh, you got a reason to sing And ooh, you're finally listening Start, Cause you can't hold on to what's inside